Yeah. I'm TJ. And I'm Will. And this is Real, Real Talk, Talk sports. sports. Happy holidays, folks. It's the holiday season. A lot of good sports to talk about. College basketball on the move after a bunch of tournaments during the Thanksgiving weekend. We hope you all had a great Thanksgiving as well. With that being said, we're going to start with Gardner-Webb men's basketball now. They are 2-6. and six. They've lost three straight, including a three-overtime game versus Jacksonville. Their next game is against USC Upstate here on Saturday. But they don't have it such an easy schedule because after this, they take on Auburn and Maryland next week. All right, well, let's talk about Gardner-Webb men right now. What are they not improving on? What is killing them in these losses here? Um, I think uh, the I don't uh, know if this is necessarily a problem. I just feel like we're put, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Uh, I mean, uh, first three games, they had Miami, uh, Florida, uh, Central Florida, who they could have beaten easily. They only lost by three. Um, then they had this uh, huge tournament against other big schools. Uh, uh, now they're playing Auburn and Maryland. Um, I say uh, they're just uh, trying to challenge themselves, and I applaud them for that uh, greatly. Um, uh, but I say one of the main problems is that uh, they take way too many uh, big shots, and that just costs uh, them a uh, big time. Now, that's one thing I will agree on. that They do take a lot of bat- too many shots, and some of them are actually real bad. Now, Jamal, p- players who you think will do well, Jamal is struggling this season, Nate is struggling this season. Liam has done well. He leads the team in points along with David Effiani. With that being said, how, how do they prepare against USC Upstate with a win on their mind, knowing they need this win before they head into a tough week next week? Well, USC Upstate, they're going to be in the conference next year, which should be exciting. We could definitely use some improvements in the Big South, uh, like, you know, additions. Um, I'd say just take it one shot at a time, not every time from the three-point line. Because uh, I remember in the uh, in the uh, game against oh what were what were they Warren Wilson yeah Warren Wilson that they were taking so many three point uh, shots uh, uh, and uh, that uh, caused uh, them to almost lose the lead yeah that and one thing they've got to go into preparing for when you play against USC upset you it's their defense that's what they've been known for in the last two years they will press you and you've got to. You can't freak out in the press. There's one thing to do, work a press. You pass the ball quickly, but you also take, stay calm about the whole thing. Now, with that being said, I didn't know USC Upstate was joining the conference next season. Nope, them in Hampton. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Two new additions for the Big South. Yep. Hey, is anybody leaving? Uh, I think uh, Liberty is going to go into the FBS, maybe. Really? That's, like, what I've been, that's what I think, though. So. We're in the FBS for basketball, though. Big South is. No, no, no I'm talking about football. Oh, yeah, I knew that, but... So they're coming in not just for basketball, but for other sports, right? Uh, I think uh, Liberty's just leaving uh, um, the FBS, the FCS uh, in football. Okay. Well, that being said, women's basketball, though, has been on a roll. Five and two. They play Walford next on Tuesday. Talking about the women, Will, I mean, we saw them struggle against, in that game against Central Florida. Now they have bounced back three straight wins. Let's talk about what do you like about this women's basketball program? What is keeping... Giving them success here. I think it's uh, getting all this uh, fresh talent uh, on, uh, like, the, the twins we have. Uh, the well the mix of uh, some of the veterans as well, like Tiara Hudson uh, um, and uh, a bunch of other people. Yeah. Um, so I say that the mix of uh, 
you know, uh, the uh, freshmen to shadow in for the veterans uh, definitely helps out in the long run because when they leave, uh, then they know uh, they can take what they learned and that'll help uh, out the team. Yeah, with that being said, it's, with that being said, they're coming in very hot right now. One thing to know about them is they struggle at the free throw line, so that's something I think you, they need to work on if they can t want to continue to keep being successful. But they have done well so far this year, and it's going to be interesting to see how they progress throughout the season because conference will be the big test here. As you come into conference play, women's basketball in the Big South is a very tough part of the conference to play in. So with that being said, as time progresses, we'll see how it goes. Going to men's basketball, ACC won the Big Ten ACC Challenge 11-3 after the Michigan State beat Notre Dame, given the Big Ten their only three points. With that being said, the ACC holds an 11-5-2 and and advantage in the ACC Big Ten Challenge of all time, including winning nine of their 14 games in 2016 and winning 11 this year. So, well, let's talk about this. Compared to the ACC and Big Talent, would you say the ACC is more is a more tough conference, a better conference than the Big Ten when it comes to basketball? Hmm. Well, when you look at the ACC, you have teams like North Carolina uh, and Miami and Clemson and Duke. Obviously, big-time basketball schools. Big Ten, you have uh, your Ohio States and your Michigans, uh, and they're good. They're just not, uh, you know, on the same level as the ACC. So, yeah, I'd say the ACC is a little bit better. That being said, though, what is your take on these games? So, with that being said, like NC State and Virginia, who are not ranked, but they have done well, which we'll get into later. What do you think, think about the ACC? Do we see more teams in this conference going to the tournament this year? Uh, I think uh, it's a possibility. Um, uh, obviously there's, what, 64 spots in the whole bracket? Yeah. And, uh, there's only so many teams that you could put on, uh, there. You obviously have to give some other teams a chance, but, uh, uh for there being more ACC teams, that's, uh, probably more likely considering on how well everybody's been doing. Yeah, I agree, and it's gonna be interesting to see as the time progresses on. You know, teams that have been struggling, though, Duke has, even though they're still undefeated, they, it took them two overtimes to beat Texas, who is actually really good this year. Hmm. And Arizona has struggled tremendously. They lost their first game against NC State on Thanksgiving, and then they lost. They got upset by Tennessee basketball. Now they're no longer ranked. What is going on with Arizona and Duke? Well, oh boy, um, I think it's uh, just uh, the, uh, the the pressure because uh, you have you run some uh, very talented freshmen here. Um, but I think it, it, them performing on the big stage is probably nothing like uh, when you play in high school. Because um, when you play in high school, you're usually in a small gymnasium, but uh, in basketball, you're playing in front of a couple thousand people. Uh, and uh, that usually could um, be a lot, but all, other than that, I think it may be because of their schedule as well. I think the, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves with this whole thing. It's already pressure enough to when you're the number one team in the nation, especially with Duke who, they have, the last three games, they have struggled on defense. But what helps them out here, Grayson Allen and Marvin Bagley keeping them up. And, you know, it's right, most of the team are freshmen. So and it, not a lot of experience when it comes to college games. But to go into Arizona, you know, they they had two easy teams. Then they came in here and they lost, they lost two straight games in a row to unranked teams. With that being said, I think Arizona was overrated. But at the same time, they still have a good team. It doesn't mean they're out for the count. No. But I don't see them going far in the tournament when they do make it. And I also see I don't see them winning the um, Pac-12 championship either. 
NC State sophomore Darius Hicks will miss the rest of the season with a torn ligament, while senior Abdul Malik Abu is out game-by-game -game basis with knee soreness. Two good players here. Let's talk about NC State. We know they're doing well this year. They've upset two ranked teams so far in basketball. Just when you thought they were doing well in football, basketball comes and starts doing well. So mm -hmm. with that being said, how bad, how bad does this hurt State with Darius Hicks? And with, Abu, with Abdul Malik Abu, who is one of their best players and leads them in rebounds, how does this hurt State these next couple games? Well, obviously, when you lose your two-star players, that is a huge blow. Um, I think that uh, the main thing they need to focus on is finding a replacement uh, quick uh, because this uh, season is only going to get more tougher. Uh, it's even going to get uh, tougher when you start your conference to play, so I figured you might as well start while you have the chance. I agree, and I think that as you look on to this season, now Abdul will be back eventually. It's a game-by-game -game basis. Not sure if he's going to be out or not. But Darius Hicks, that's a blow. But you still have people like Beverly, who the NCAA finally agreed to let him play this season, mm -hmm. who came from transferred from Ohio State, who's done really well, actually. 20 points against Arizona, and he's shot the ball very well in these last four games they've played. Penn State, he led them with 23 points. So, like I said... State still has a lot to go. They've got a new coach who has led them well, and it's going to be interesting to see how they take it. Other than NC State, what teams have impressed you so far this season? Many teams that aren't even ranked have been really impressive so far this year. Well, what would you say? All right, so I had to do a lot of research on this, uh, um, and I'm actually going to go with a bit of a su surprise here. I'm going to go with a very underrated program. I'm going to go with Bradley University. Ooh. Uh, they have uh, won their. They have won four games in a row. Uh, they now stand at 6-1, and one, and they are playing teams such as Northern Iowa and San Diego State and Ole Miss and Drake. And they're obviously challenging themselves, but uh, and uh, points uh, against, uh, that's about 58 uh, and 67 uh, points uh, they score per game. Now, if they keep up with this record, then uh, they're, they're going to be in good hands. They're going to play uh, Eastern Illinois tonight. They have a 65% chance of winning. Um, uh, I say that uh, we should uh, look out for Bradley. Well, two teams I think I picked out were Tennessee and Texas. Tennessee upset Arizona, and they they also beat a couple, another ranked team. And honestly, I think Tennessee is a good basketball program going here. You don't hear about the Tennessee men's basketball a lot. They've been now they come out. They're still underrated. I think they're the team to watch out for. Texas has forced two. Their last two games against ranked opponents, they have forced an overtime. They almost beat Duke. They were beating them by 16 in the first half. Then they almost beat Gonzaga, went into overtime. They lost those two games, but don't count Texas out. They still got a lot of potential. That um, freshman they have, Bamboo, from Nigeria, yeah. looks really good. And not to mention Atsukuea, who the, other, the, the center, probably the only white boy on that team, is actually doing really well. He leads an assist. For a center to lead an assist, though, that's pretty crazy. Definitely. But with that being said, definitely look out for them. I also One more team I would say would be Alabama, and I think Alabama okay. men's basketball has done really well, despite that little brawl they had against Minnesota to where only two of their players were on the court for the last eight minutes of the game. With that being said, though, East Carolina basketball coach Jeff Lebo resigned Wednesday, effective immediately. Assistant coach Mike Perry will serve as interim head coach, according to the ECU athletic director Jeff Comper said. Now, it was said here that he, age 51, he had been head over at ECU for the past seven plus seasons and leads with a 116 to 122 mark with the Pirates. Now, what it, talking about a guy like Jeff Lebo to resign, there's no information to why he just resigned, whether it was because they started out two and four 
and he was fired or whether or not he was going for some issues. What about this story, Will? What's your take on this story? Uh, honestly, I don't know what to, to uh, make of this. Um, honestly, it seems like East Carolina has been struggling a little bit in the men's basketball, but uh, we haven't really known East Carolina for their basketball program, in all honesty. Uh, but uh, for him to resign uh, out of nowhere, uh, right as the season was getting underway, is kind of uh, mind-boggling a little bit, because uh, it, it, we don't know the reason. Uh, and this is uh, just as the season was uh, starting. Uh, so, obviously, this is going to be uh, making some huge changes around uh, for the Pirates. And you know what's crazy? They have over 116 wins and still never have gone. He's never been to the tournament. No. He's, his teams he's coached has never been to the tournament. He's coached Tennessee Tech, Auburn, and it says Chattanooga. Okay. None of which who have co been, made it to the NCAA tournament. So... Whether or not it was that the case or family issues, we'll be praying. But ECU is going to have an interim head coach from from the assistant coach now coaching Michael Perry. So good luck to them. It's now time for college basketball picks. Number twenty five, okay. Creighton, five and one, out showing themselves. You know, they lost a couple good players the last five years, and now they're starting back up with a lot of good freshmen. They take on number fifteen Gonzaga, who is four and zero at home. Who wins this one, Will? Oh, this is a tough one, uh, but I say uh, Gonzaga has the upper hand. Um, uh, I consider them a bit of a dark horse for, i say, the past two years because uh, I feel like that they could be a team that could potentially make uh, uh, the Final Four uh, or the National Championship, and they did. Uh, um, uh, and I feel like they could probably get uh, back to that uh, spot again. Uh, but Crane is definitely going to be a bit of a challenge, but I say Gonzaga wins at home. I'm going to take Gonzaga as well. Yes, they lost good players to the draft, but... They're still stowing straw now. That game, overtime game they had against Texas has them realizing we aren't performing as well as we should have. They felt like they should have had that game. Now they're taking on a challenge here. I think Gonzaga beats Creighton here. Number 11, Cincinnati, 7-0, led by Gary Clark, from who lives in my hometown, who I actually know, versus number 21, Xavier, 6-1. Now, Xavier, they have won the last 32 games against non-conference opponents. Cincinnati is a non-conference opponent. Do they keep that streak alive, or does Cincinnati remain undefeated, beating Xavier? Oh, wow. Um, uh, well, it says here that Trevor Blueyat of uh, Xavier has 19 points per game, and that's something you can't take away from him. And Xavier, uh, I consider it to be a bit of an underrated uh, program. Uh, I think they could definitely uh, surprise everybody this season. Uh, I'm going to go with the... the Xavier Musketeers in an upset. Ooh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I feel like their defense this year has been very effective, which is what they've been known for. And they're taking on the top-scoring team, Xavier. So this is going to be a good game. I've got Cincinnati winning in a close one. Number 8, Wichita State, 5-1. Takes number six, on number 16, Baylor, on Saturday, 5-1. Wichita State, led by Landry, with 14 points a game. Goes out as Baylor with Manu Lecomite. With 17.7 points a game. Who wins this one, Bill? Uh, Will? Bill. <laughs> Sorry, I was on uh, I'm Bill now. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Wichita State. They've been uh, a huge surprise uh, as of late, and they uh, joined the AAC. Uh, uh, that means they're going to be taking on uh, teams of the likes of Memphis and UConn um, and Houston, and uh, this is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think uh, they'll be up for it. I'm going to go with Baylor and upset. I feel like... Wichita State is a high-scoring team, but when you look at what Baylor has done these last two games, including beating a ranked opponent with Wisconsin, they have a good team. I think they upset Wichita State here. 
Number two, Kansas 6-0 takes on Syracuse, who is 6-0, but they're not ranked for some reason. I don't know if it's because the penalty still remains when they were um, found to be in violation with money issues with Jim, Jim Beheim. So with that being said, though, Will, who wins this game? Oh, this is a tough one because uh, considering that uh, Syracuse is still doing uh, well, uh, even though they've been penalized uh, as of late, uh, I'm still going to go with uh, Kansas because... Uh, uh -huh. This is a team you can't really uh, count out because uh, when it seems like uh, that uh, they're just uh, defeated and they some find way find a way to uh, get back, um, I actually think uh, that Kansas could go far in this season, maybe even make the national championship. I'll say it uh, once and I'll say it again: uh, Jayhawks uh, are the team, one of the teams to beat. I'm gonna go with Kansas here too, led by Devontae Graham. I think that Kansas is a better team. Syracuse, I haven't seen them play any really challenging teams, so this will be a first. It'll be interesting to see, but I think Kansas will win it. Now going to the NBA. Former NBA guard Ben Gordon was released on a five on a $50,000 bail early Tuesday after spending the weekend in jail in Los Angeles on a felony robbery charge, the latest in a recent string of troubling incidents with him. Talking about Ben Gordon, I, I remember when he played in the NBA. He was oh, a good player. To see him go down this path, though, well, it's it's it hurts to see that for him, and you know. I actually consider Ben Gordon you know, to be one of the most underrated guards in the NBA. Me too. Because um, uh, uh, while nobody really knows as much about this guy, he was actually very dominant on the court uh, whenever he, he he got the ball. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. This has just took me by surprise completely. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy to see such a great talent fall down. We see this a lot in college, and now we're seeing this a lot in the pros. I mean, you take the NFL with Josh Gordon and Johnny Mansell, for example. You look at the NBA with Raymond Felton and now Ben Gordon. It's so sad to see, and honestly, he has a lot to straighten up in his life. But he was a great player. Like you said, dominant on the court whenever he was on there. It was hard to stop him. Interesting news that no one stops talking about. LeBron James got his first technical foul in his career on Tuesday. Is there really any fuss to be about this, Wells? Hmm. Maybe, probably not. Yeah. Uh, but since this is the, since we're talking about uh, LeBron James, who many consider to be the greatest NBA player of all time, uh huh. Um, uh, I think people are making a big deal out of it, especially uh, Cleveland uh, fans, because this is their uh, gem. This is the uh, like the star of Cleveland, uh, not just in basketball, but. Uh, all around the whole city of Cleveland. This is their Pokemon. This is their Pokemon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is something definitely worth talking about because uh, LeBron James is normally for having a bit of a calm and collected attitude, but when he lost his uh, cool against a ref, uh, I was just like, wow, this is a completely different LeBron than when I thought. Yeah, I don't think he, it needs to be overzealous, though. I mean, he's so he what he got his first technical foul. You don't see that from LeBron. And besides, yeah. this doesn't hurt his image, and really. And didn't he also get ejected? Yeah, he did get ejected. The first time getting ejected in his career, too. Yep. <laughs> so with that being said, though, looking at more news, the Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies, who have struggled, announced that they will not trade Marc Gasol or Mike Conley. They don't want to rebuild yet this year. With that being said, they gave up Zach Randolph to the Kings, who led them in rebounds last year. You've got two great players here. Mike Conley, who I consider one of the best guards in the NBA. Marcus Gasol, one of the best centers. So what do you think about the Grizzlies? Is it selfish to really keep these two players from going out to try different teams and just start rebuilding to where you have a fresh start? Well, I don't really want to count out the Grizzlies because I think they could be a good playoff team. And then maybe down the road they could be a finals team as well. Maybe even become NBA champs. 
but I say they're, they're on the right track uh, right now yeah. uh, with not trading uh, these two uh, powerhouse uh, players uh, because then things will just fall apart. Uh, let me give it a bit of an example. Um, let's go with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they are they got rid of almost all their best players. They got rid of Brook Lopez. He's now with the Lakers. And the only person that's... Uh, Considered a, a star is Jeremy Lin, uh, and that's uh, causing the team to fall apart. Yeah. With that being said, though, I mean, these are two great players. I think that, yes, I can understand you not want to trade them, and honestly, I wouldn't either. So, and they're not putting up a fight over it. Marcus Saul or Conley are not putting up a fight over it. So, I mean, but would you rebuild, though? I mean, if you want a fresh start, would you rebuild? Like, kind of like what the Heat has done or the Hornets have done. I actually don't know. Um, Hornets are struggling a little bit, uh, but uh, they are at least uh, trying to win a couple of games. Yeah. Uh, Heat, uh, I actually don't know what they're doing. Um, Hassan Whiteside, impressive as always. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I say you should say the rebuilding year for the off season. Yeah. And with that being said, though, I mean, the Grizzlies aren't the team to count out yet. they still got a good, t- decent team with them. I mean, we'll just have to wait to see what's in store with them, in my opinion. 76ers looking good this year. It's a surprise. They're 12-8 and eight on the year. We're talking about a team that was winless two years ago around this time. Yep. Let's talk, talk about the Sixers real quick. Well, what have they done to improve themselves? What is making the Sixers as good as they are right now? I think adding all this uh, star power to them, uh... Uh, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly helped out because, like you said, the 76ers just haven't been that uh, good, like, at all in the entire NBA. Yeah, and I think that, I think that just looking at them this year, we've only, they've only played 20 games, but they've looked pretty impressive to me. They're staying up with teams, I mean, heck, they stayed up with the Warriors. That's something hard to do. Yep. With that being said, though, I mean, it'll be, I can't wait to see what they do this year. It's too early to really praise them too much right now, so we'll see. Going to NBA picks now. Pistons, 14-6. and six. Take on the, the Wizards, who have lost their last four games. They are 11-10. and 10. Who wins this one, Will? Oh, boy. Um, I think I'll go with the uh, the Wizards. Um, uh, Detroit uh, Pistons, they have to uh, deal with John Lohr, who is out uh, day-to-day. He, uh, Washington, no injuries known. Uh, and they, they won their last uh, four games, so I really can't uh, count them out. I'll go with Washington. I'm going to go with the Pistons in this one. They look really impressive. You look at Andre Drummond, and you look at the great guards that they have here. I mean, you can't count the Pistons out. I think they upset the Wizards. Right. Pacers 12-10, and 10, led by Victor Oladipo. Take on the 13-7 and 7 Raptors, led by Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Who wins this one, Will? Uh, who? Wow. Um, I think I shall go with the home team, the Raptors. Uh, they've uh, scored 110 points uh, per game and a 48% uh, field, uh, 48 field goal percentage. Uh, they've won uh, seven of their last uh, ten games and they've won two in a row. Uh, I think uh, they could be, be as dominant as they were uh, last season. I'll go with the Raptors. I'm gonna go with the Raptors as well. I see. I, th- I the Pacers have struggled on defense and that's gonna hurt them if against a team like the Raptors. And finally, the Timberwolves, 13 and nine, take on a struggling OKC Thunder team. Who wins this one? Well, but this the Timberwolves are doing well with Tim, with um, Jimmy Butler, Carl Towns, Anthony, and Andrew Wiggins here. So, well, the Minnesota Timberwolves actually have a bit of a an injury that they should be worried about. Jeff Teague, who I consider oh, yeah. to be an overlooked uh, guard, because uh, he was really good for the Hawks. Oh yeah. And considering that he's out, that could definitely hurt. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
the uh, Timberwolves because he's a very good scorer. Uh, as for the Thunder, they have to deal with Russell Westbrook, who's out on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so that's going to hurt uh, them as well. Uh, but I say that the team that's going to be affected uh, most is probably going to be uh, the Thunder, considering Russell Westbrook is like their key player. I'll go with the Timberwolves to win this one. I'm going to go with the Timberwolves here as well. I see, that w I see another loss from the Thunder's future here. With that being said, going to NFL, two major uproars going on. One, The first big news, Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston spoke publicly Thursday for the first time since the allegations that surfaced two weeks ago that he groped, that he groped a female Uber driver. He came out today and said that he absolutely believes the NFL will not punish him, and he has no fear for suspension. I have respect in the process, as he put it. I'm just going to respect the process. Most importantly, that's all I can do, really. Talking about the situation, this isn't the first time Jameis has been involved with something like this. I mean, he was accused of rape back at Florida State. Right. And now this. What are your thoughts on the situation? Well, let's say if it didn't happen, if the late, this lady is lying, then what would your thoughts on that be? And if it's not, then what, what's well, that? Well, obviously it seems like uh, either uh, the these NFL or any other athlete thinks that they can they're entitled to anything without any consequences, or people are just looking for attention. Either way, it's a stupid idea. Honestly, I mean, I would fear, too, if they don't suspend Jameis Winston, because there is actually evidence of this, just like there was with the right case. I don't hate Jameis, but I'm not a big fan, especially when he the stuff he knows he can get away with because he's considered a good QB. This is one of the main problems with the NFL. They're so afraid to punish people because they're worried about losing money and everything. With that being said, though, I mean... Say it is true, then shame on him. I mean, how many times is he going to get accused of this? And if he gets away with it, that's not good to me at all. I, I'm definitely not a Jameis Winston supporter. But if he does, hasn't, and this lady's going around lying, I feel bad for the guy then because, you know, maybe he was trying to get clear from the rape allegation that he got, and now this comes up. It's like he can't catch a break. So whether 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 what the case comes, I can't put my opinion until I know what the case concludes to. With that being said, the huge uproar is over Eli Manning's benching. Now, on Monday, after the loss against the Red, after loss against the Redskins on Thursday, Monday, Monday morning, it was announced that Eli Manning would be benched the rest of the season, according to their head coach for the New York Giants. People have spoken out, including a couple of NFL players, like Philip Rivers said it was pathetic. He was the QB for the Chargers. Tom Brady says that Eli deserves better than what he gets. Interesting, since he's lost to Eli in the Super Bowl twice. Yep. Now the Giants decided they weren't going to make the playoffs so that it was time to sit their two Super Bowl MVP QB down and play Geno Smith, who is 4-16 and 16 in game when he starts. And then a great, a decent rookie QB out of California, Davis Webb. And the good, he cried, of course, when it was announced. He, he came out and spoke about it. He was mature, even though he was emotional about it. And he, according to reports, he's really been working with Geno and Davis Webb. So with that being said, Will... What is your thoughts on this whole situation here? Uh, this is very is surprising, uh, but uh, I think that since the, the Giants know that they're gonna, not going to make the playoffs this year, I think they decided that they were going to try to rest Eli so that way he's not injured uh, for next season. I, that's what I'm thinking, too. I, I, people got to look at this side. You know they're not going to make the playoffs. Is it really worth putting your guy out there, your, your main guy? You've already lost three stars, including uh, your star defensive back, Janoris Jenkins, your star wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., and you've lost another star wide receiver, Sterling Shepard. It's just like the 49ers. They, didn't, they have not put in Garoppolo since they got him because they want to save him for next season because they don't want him to get hurt 
what's the point in playing him if they're not going to make the playoffs? With that being said, though, I kind of don't understand the situation to why he's be Eli's being benched, but I do because, I mean, you're giving Davis Webb more playing time. Why Geno Smith? I don't know. I mean, I would have chose Davis over Geno, but honestly, there's a bright side to look to the situation. I'm very proud of that Eli Manning handled it the way he did. He didn't get upset. He didn't whine about it. He came out thoroughly. He's come out thoroughly and has been a great mentor to these two QBs. So I think people are just being overdramatic, just kind of like the LeBron technical thing. It's, it's ESPN. What do you expect? A 2016 domestic violence charge against the former NFL quarterback Johnny Manziel has been dismissed, according to court records. So Johnny's getting into more trouble here, but he finally got out of this one. So with that being said, though, Will, does Johnny ever have a future back in the NFL? Mm, well, when he was first drafted, he really didn't seem to be taking his job in Cleveland that seriously because he would be going on to partying in Vegas and posting pictures of it on social media. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he needs to learn uh, to be smart and make the right decisions, uh, because uh -huh. uh, if he doesn't, then he might not, uh, be able to get a job in football anywhere. Yeah, and honestly, I don't see him coming back. He's just messed up too much of himself, and nothing his daddy's money can do to help him right now. But speaking of Browns players who have fallen, Josh Gordon, wide receiver, will play on Sunday for the first time since 2014. Now, this guy led the Browns in receiving yards and touchdown catches before he was found on drug abuse and has been in rehab, and now he's coming back. This is exciting to see. This is a great guy, great talented guy coming out of here. So, Will, let's talk about this. How big is this that Josh Gordon is coming back for the Browns, and how does this help Deshaun Kaiser in this situation? Uh, well, Deshaun uh, Kaiser has been struggling. You said he's the lowest-rated uh, QB. QB in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, but Josh Gordon might be able to help him out just a little bit, not by much. Uh, maybe lift him up at least to just uh, one spot. Yeah. I think that, though, if it's gonna, he's going to be a little rusty, but I think as time goes on, he'll get back to his old self. So I'm excited to see Gordon play. Before we get to Week 13 picks, Redskins announced that Kirk Cousins will not be with the organization next season. They are releasing him to the free agency. After the 38-14 loss to the Cowboys, Redskins are done. And, you know, there's a reason for this, too. Cousins has struggled, and his red zone percentage is 22%. That's a 30. He's 31st in the league with that. He has struggled tremendously this season. And honestly, when you look at the, what they have, like Nate Sunfeld and Colt McCoy, I think Colt McCoy would be a better option, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. With that being said, though, Will, who could pick up Kirk Cousins? Who could use a guy like Kirk Cousins if the Redskins are letting him go? I uh, don't know exactly. I think it's uh, more about who needs the quarterback uh, more. Uh, I think if he, Eli is going to retire after this uh, season or sometime in the future, then the Giants could probably use Kirk Cousins really? uh, around. I understand that, too. I mean, but you still got Davis Webb on the Giants. Oh, definitely. Uh, uh, and the Davis Webb might uh, do okay for the Giants, but they they probably need a veteran. Uh, I agree. Out. I can agree with that, yeah. And honestly, it's it's going to... I think the Redskins are making a good choice. This is a burden let go. I mean, you've got a great another great QB that can play for you that's going to, I think, will do really well. It is now time for Week 13 Picks. The big one, Vikings, 9-2. Take on the 7-4 and four Falcons here. Who wins this game, Will? This is going to be a very tough one, a very physical matchup. Uh, Atlanta has to watch out. Julio, Julio Jones is questionable. Uh, Minnesota won their last five games in a row. As uh, for Atlanta, they've won uh, four of their last uh, five games. Uh, the only he lost was against uh, Carolina. Uh, Matt Ryan, he has... Uh, uh, 
over uh, 2,800 passing yards this season with 16 touchdowns. Uh, Case Keenum has over 2,400 passing yards. I think this will be a very uh, tough and physical matchup, but I think uh, the Vikings in the end will pull it out. I think the, I've got the Falcons to upset the Vikings simply because the Falcons have upst- have started back up their game. They get Devontae Freeman back, and I think after how Julio played, if he plays like that against the Vikings, it's going to be hard to stop him. Of course, they'll have Xavier Rhodes' defensive back for the Vikings on him. But, you know, the Vikings have done really well. I'm impressed with what they've done. Case Keenum has been great this year. 18 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. It looks good for the Vikings, but I got the Falcons upsetting them. Patriots 9-2 take on the Bills 6-5. and five. Who wins this matchup, Will? Well, this actually got my attention a little bit. Because I was looking at the injury reports for both teams. Tom Brady is actually questionable for Sunday's game. Really? Uh, yep. Uh, Danny Amendola is questionable, um, and Chris Hogan is uh, doubtful, so that will be a bit of a blow to the Patriots' uh, offense if uh, all three of them are, are out. Uh, as for the Bills, LaShawn McCoy is uh, questionable. Uh, T- Tyrod Taylor, struggling. He's been on and off. Uh, uh, but I say that if uh, Tom Brady is, uh, is not going to be starting, this could be a huge opening for uh, the Bills. But I think uh, the Patriots will still find a way to I, win. I think so, too. I think the Patriots win this one simply because the Bills started out so well and have struggled these last four games. They've lost three of the last four. I've got the Bills. I've got the Patriots winning this one. Lions 6-5. and five. Take on the Ravens, who are 6-5. and five. It's a battle to stay alive for a playoff spot. Who wins this one, Will? Okay, this is obviously a battle of who wants it uh, more. Uh, this is a to see who can again into the uh, wild card. Uh, I say the Lions are more deserving of this because of uh, how Matthew Stafford did, did over there Thanksgiving against uh, the Vikings. Even though they just came up uh, short, they came up very close. I'll go with Detroit. I'm gonna go with the Ravens in the upset here. I feel like you see you usually see these games where you think one team's gonna win and the other team ends up winning, and I think that's gonna be the situation here. The Ravens win it. Eagles 10-1, take on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks at 7-4. Two great quarterbacks going out with Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. But remember, Seattle is hurt on defense-wise. No Cam Chancellor, no Richard Sherman. Who wins this one, Will? Well, when you look at the, the matchup here, it uh, almost seems kind of even. Eagles have a 51% chance of a uh, victory. Uh, Russell Wilson has been a little bit on and off, but he's uh, still uh, a pretty uh, good uh, quarterback. Uh, let's see, last uh, five games, Eagles have won five in a row. As for the Seahawks, won uh, three of their last uh, five uh, games. Last one being against uh, the 49ers. Um, uh, they, the Eagles have allowed 245 yards, uh, pass yards uh, so far this whole season. Uh, Seahawks, not as many, um, but I'll st- this is going to be a tough physical game at CenturyLink Field, but I'll go with the, the Eagles. I'm gonna go with the Eagles as well, simply because Seattle is hurting on defense, and it's gonna, they, it's gonna be hard to stop a guy like Carson Wentz who is on fire right now. I got the Eagles. The game of the week is between the Panthers and the Saints. Both teams eight and three. Winner takes first place in the NFC South. Who wins this one, Will? Ooh, this is gonna be a tough one. Um, Panthers have a lot of injuries. Questionable. We have Ryan Khalil, their center. Followed by Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and Greg Olson. That's gonna be a huge opening for the New Orleans. Uh, uh, defense, uh, and since they're playing it in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, that's going to be a bit of a more of a factor. Uh, I'll go with the Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints here, too. I, look, Drew Brees has been ex- exceptional this year. They have got a great offense. You've got the dynamic duo between Kamara and Mark Ingram. You've got a lot of great talent on defense. Saints are 
better on defense this year than they have been the last three years. With that being said, I think the Saints win this one simply because the Panthers just haven't been impressive. I mean, you barely beat the Jets, who really had jo- was <coughs> beating them the majority of the game last week. So I think the Saints win this one. And finally, for college football, coaches being hired left to right. UCLA is probably the biggest story. As they hired Chip Kelly, whose last time he coached in college football was around 2012. He was 44-5 and with Oregon and was head coach in the NFL with the Eagles and 49ers for four seasons. What do you think about this hiring, though, Will? UCLA with Chip Kelly. How does UCLA, how do you feel UCLA is going to be next year with someone like Chip Kelly coaching them now? I mean, we're talking about a guy that had only five losses in his five-year career at Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so obviously he's going to bring whatever he learned, whatever he taught at Oregon over to UCLA, and that's going to help out this program uh, a lot. Uh, and I think uh, that this could uh, potentially put UCLA on the map of uh, football. They will no longer be considered just a basketball school. Yeah, I think so too. I'm excited to see what UCLA can do. I mean, they lose Josh Rosen to the NFL draft. They lose a couple other guys like Gaskin as well. So it's going to be interesting to see that Florida fired their head coach, Jim McElwin. And have hired Mississippi State's head coach, Dan Mullen. Hmm. Mississippi State, in return, hired Jim Moorhead. Oregon State, after only winning two games this year, fired Gary Anderson. And hired Washington's offensive coordinator, Jonathan Smith. Old Smith fires the guy that helped him beat Alabama twice in his career. Hugh Freeze is gone. They hire Matt Luke. However, teams are still trying to find people. Like Tennessee, Arkansas, and Nebraska are still looking to fill the vacant head coaching spot. The story for Tennessee, they tried to get Dave Dorn from NC State. He declined. And immediately, State signed him to a five-year deal worth $6 million. They also tried to get Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State. And it looks like they had a possibility, but then Mike Gundy said, I'm staying with Oklahoma State's program. Oklahoma State needed the mullet power. <laughs> well, what do you think about this, Will? I mean, Tennessee just can't seem to get a coach. What do you think about – who do you think would be the best one out there, if you think? And how does Tennessee recoup Ooh. with what they've had? I mean – This is uh, very tough. Um, Tennessee uh... – he, they've been struggling left and right, um, and they need a coach that can get them back on uh, track in the SEC uh, badly. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know where, where this team was going to end up. Uh, I think that you know it's going to be interesting to see. So we haven't, they haven't heard anything. Another thing, Texas A&M is trying to get a Florida State coach Jimbo Fisher. Fisher has not decided whether he's going to stay Florida State or go to Texas A&M, although Florida State has encouraged him to make a decision soon. What do you think, Will? I mean, we're talking about Jimbo Fisher no longer in Florida State if he decides to take this Texas A&M job. What yep. do, you, do you think he will? I don't know. He's been doing exceptionally well with Florida State, even though the Seminoles haven't been doing that good this year. Oh, yeah. But it's the one losing season he's had his entire career with them, though. Yep. So it'll be, uh, as time goes on, we'll find out. Before we get to picks, the final playoff predictions for you, Will, because the playoffs will be – the teams will be announced on – Sunday after Saturday's conference championship week. So, what's your final playoff predictions? Who are the four teams you think will be? I had to think long and hard about this. Uh, But uh, for my final four, I got Clemson going in at number one. Uh, Dabo Sweeney said that even though we lost one game, we still won on the national championship. They did that last year. They were able to knock off the mighty Alabama. Uh, I think they could uh, potentially do that again. Uh, next up, I have uh, Oklahoma winning, uh, in, uh, the, uh, winning the Big 12 and going on to uh, the uh, uh, college football playoff. Bigger Mayfield is dominant as always. Uh, I actually, he might not uh, be a, like, a top 10 pick. Uh, I would say more in the 20s, though. Yeah. 
but I think uh, you can definitely lead the team to a good victory. Uh, Georgia with my next uh, pick. Yeah, this will be our the SEC representative. Uh, they've been on fires of late, and I think uh, if, if they beat Auburn, uh, then uh, they, they'll be able to prove themselves, hey, we are now the dominant team in the SEC. <laughs> and lastly, I'm going to go with a bit of a... a, a, a Bit of an upset here. I'm going to pick Wisconsin to Ooh. be the final representative because this is a team that's been com incredibly overlooked this uh, yeah. whole season. But uh, now that they're in the Big 12 title picture, they're like, okay, now you have to pay attention uh, to us. This is our chance to show you that we're, we're worth being in the playoff. Yes. Uh, my final four predictions would be, number one, Clemson. Like you said, you know, Clemson, despite that loss to Syracuse, they've, they beat every tough te uh, team they've had. I mean, they've had close calls, especially the game state. I think they'll win, though, coming up, which we'll make soon. I think Oklahoma at number two. I'm not a big fan of Baker Mayfield, simply with his actions, but I think he's a great QB. I think he'll lead Oklahoma to the playoffs. I think number three, Georgia. There's such a great team here. I really hope to see them get in, and I think they will. Because remember, Auburn blew them out last time. They're going to want revenge. Mm -hmm. And finally, I've got Ohio State. If they beat Wisconsin, I think that puts them in. I think... Even though I thought Ohio State was overrated, I think they're really the good choice to go with here. I mean, the team, the two teams I thought that would be in it, like Penn State and Notre Dame, they're not even in contestant anymore. So with that being said, it is now time for the conference championship week picks. Starting with the Pac-12 tonight, number 12 Stanford, 9-3, and three, Bryce Love, and the Cardinals prepare to take on number 10 USC with Sam Darnold. They're 11-2. USC won the last matchup this season, 42-24. Who wins this game, Will? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, USC, even though Sam Darnold has struggled a little bit, and Bryce Love is considered to be a final a Heisman uh, finalist, along with uh, KJ Costello, who I've looked at him. He seems to be doing pretty okay you know, yeah. right now. Uh, but I think the Trojans will pull out the win here and take home the Pac-12 trophy. Now, we're talking about two good teams here. Bryce Love, who's up for Heisman. This is the chance to show to get to have a chance here. I mean... With that being said, though, USC, they've turned the, they've been known to turn the ball over a lot this year, yet they've still managed to win 11 games. I think USC still wins this game, and they would take the Pac-12 championship. The American Athletic Conference Championship, number 20 Memphis, the Tigers, 10-1, take on undefeated number 14 Central Florida. Will Central Florida keep their undefeated season going, or does Memphis upset them? Who's your pick, Will? Oh, okay. Um... This, is, this was a uh, bit of a tough one. UCF has surprised uh, every, another team that's been a bit of a surprise because who would expect uh, an AAC team to be within the top 15 teams of the whole country? Um, I think one of the biggest things to look out for is Milton of uh, Central Florida. 30 passing touchdowns this whole season. Yeah. Now, that's uh, something I don't think uh, would be... Uh, nor normal in, in your everyday college football season. Yes. Uh, so I think uh, Central Florida will, will win this one. I'm going to go with an upset with Memphis. I like what their defense has done this year, and they still have a great passing offense too. It'll be a back-and-forth game. I think Memphis gets the upset, though. Next, Big 12 championship. Number four, Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. Takes on number 11, TCU. Oklahoma won the last matchup. Does TCU get revenge, Will, or does Oklahoma bat in the hatches with TCU for the year? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, you know, I like uh, the Horned Frogs and Kenny Hill. Uh, they've been 
a dominant team as of late in the Big 12. They've proved in that time and time again. But we're going up against a really strong, high-octane Oklahoma offense. They're going to be yeah, rolling it past uh, the TCU defense. They're looking to get a playoff spot. I'll go with the Sooners here. I'm going to go with the Sooners here, too. I just don't think TCU has what it takes to beat Oklahoma, really and truly. Num SEC Championship, number 6, Georgia 11-1, takes on number 2, Auburn 10-2. and Auburn won the last matchup. Georgia wants revenge now, and these two teams are on fire. Auburn beat Alabama, knocked them out from playoff contention. Who wins this one, Will? Okay, so Auburn obviously has to be all uh, fired up about uh, this because they beat Auburn, or not Auburn beat themselves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, uh, Auburn beat Alabama, uh, uh, who has been in the playoff for the past, oh, I don't know, I'd say almost three years now. Yes. Um. Uh, so I say this is definitely a, a good change, uh, uh, but they can't uh, let this uh, get ahead of themselves. They need to focus on Georgia and uh, focus on Georgia now. Uh, but I think Georgia will definitely get revenge in this. Uh, I think they deserve this win more. I see this. I see Georgia winning it by three. I think that they are going to get their revenge. You talk about Nick Chubb and Sonny Mitchell, who are great running backs, have really helped this Georgia team out. I see the Bulldogs going to the playoffs. Now, the Mountain West Championship, number 25, Fresno State, 9-3, and three, takes on Boise State, 9-3 and three as well. It's always a good game when these two play. Who wins, Will? Ooh, um, hmm. I think I'll go with Fresno State. Uh, Mc McMarion of uh, Fresno State has over 2,200 passing yards and four passing uh, touchdowns. Um, and Fresno State has just been impressive. I consider them a little bit of an overlooked uh, team. They've won uh, four games in a row, and uh, I think they'll just only get better. I'll go with the Bulldogs. I'm going to go with Boise State in an upset here. I think that if you talk about this matchup, Boise State has won the most. They've looked more impressive to me than Fresno State. I got Boise winning it. ACC championship number seven Miami eleven and one takes on the number one team in the nation Clemson eleven and one. Who wins this game? Will Clemson is heavily favored to win, and who can blame them? You have Kelly Bryant, who has been uh, very impressive as of late. You have also have Etienne, who has over seven hundred twenty rushing yards and twelve touchdowns. Um, and Davo Sweeney, who is easily the best coach in the ACC right now. Um, uh, I think Clemson will remain their, er, the number one team in the country, and they will get the number one spot in the playoff. Three wide receivers are out to injury for Miami. This is going to hurt. Now, Malik Rozier looks great for Miami, but Clemson's defense has been outstanding. They're number one in tackles for loss, number one in sacks. I see Clemson winning this one. Finally, the Big Ten Championship, undefeated number four, Wisconsin, takes on number eight, Ohio State at 10-2. and two. Can Wisconsin keep their unbeaten record, or Ohio State destroy their college playoff dream? Oh, uh, so Wisconsin obviously needs to think, okay, we need this to win badly if we're going to ever be considered for a college playoff spot. Uh, Hornerbrook, uh, 2,100 passing yards with 21 touchdowns, but with 13 interceptions. JT Barrett, on the other hand, uh, 2,700 passing yards with 33 Oof. passing touchdowns. So... Uh, Offensively, Ohio State has uh, uh, Wisconsin's number, but there's a little something uh, that uh, the great Michael Jordan would say. Talent wins games, but defense wins championships. Wisconsin's defense has been on a roll, and I think that'll get the job done. I think the Badgers will take this one. I like that pick. I'm going to take Ohio State. I think that the best teams that Wisconsin have played are Michigan and Iowa, with maybe Minnesota. I mean, No, actually not Minnesota. Who was the team that played? Anyway, Iowa and Michigan have been their best games, and we see how they did with them. I don't think 
that Wisconsin, has, despite their defensibility, they are number two in defense right now. But you're talking about a high-passing offense here with JT Barrett. I'm going to go with Ohio State in an upset here. With that being said, I'm TJ. And I'm Will. And this is Real Talk Sports. Sports. See you soon.